Hello, listeners. As we did at the end of season one, we're taking a bit of a breather between seasons with a Q&A episode. Thanks to everyone who sent in questions. They were a ton of fun to answer. Two quick notes about the episode. First, there's a point where we're talking about entanglement roles, but I keep calling them engagement roles. My bad. Uh, And second, a quick content warning. I go off on a rambling discussion of leverage for a bit, and in explaining the plot of the show, there's a brief mention of child death. I'll include the timestamp in the show notes. There will also be a handful of bloopers at the end of this episode, and our Patreon backers can hear the full blooper reel now. There's also a public post on our Patreon with the Season 2 character and crew sheets. So if you've been wondering about the mechanics of how the magpies work, you can take a look at that. I have a lot of announcements to cover, so sit tight. It's all exciting stuff. First, the audio from the Gen Con panel that I moderated, so you want to start an actual play podcast, is up. Thanks to the Redacted Files podcast for editing and hosting that recording. And thanks to Megan, Acer, Megan, and Palomi for being on the panel with me. Second, September is International Podcast Month. Visit internationalpodcastmonth.com to check out all the awesome episodes. I'm a player in the Good Society Actual Play one-shot, and I moderated a conversation about accessibility and tabletop RPGs. I'm really proud of both episodes, and they both go up later this week. Speaking of accessibility, we have transcripts on magpiespodcast.net for all of Season 1. Thank you so much to Tyler and Lyra for all their hard work on transcribing the episodes. We'll be starting on Season 2 very soon. Next, those of you who follow our Twitter account may have seen that James Bricknell, one of our fans, created a 3D render of a magpie's pen. He was generous enough to not only send me some pens that he printed, more on that in a second, but he also gave me the files and instructions to set up a Shapeways store so that you can buy pens of your own. I was really hoping to have the store up and running for this episode, but there were some technical hiccups and it's still being worked on. My goal is to have it up and running by the season three opener at the absolute latest. Keep an eye on our Twitter for updates, and as soon as the store is open, I will announce it in an intro. James very generously mailed me a number of pins that he printed off. Most of the pins are going to Magpies past and present, but I have five pins that will be part of a giveaway. When we reach 100 backers on Patreon, I'll randomly pick five current patrons to win a Magpies pin. So if you're thinking about backing us, now is a great time. In addition, Kim has just put the finishing touches on the annual postcard for backers who support us at $15 or more. It's a great piece of art, and all of the postcards will have a handwritten message from me on them. If you'd like to get a postcard, back us at $15 or more, and you'll be on the list. And if you're already backing us at that level, remember to fill out the form to get me your address. As I mentioned last episode, we're going to be taking a one-month hiatus from new Magpies episodes so that I can catch up on editing. But we'll be posting two bonus episodes during that time. 
The first bonus episode is one that I recorded quite some time ago with my good friend Palomi, who is also the host of the Iron Hides podcast. We played a reskinned version of a two-player game called A Scoundrel in the Deep and laid the groundwork for some future Magpies plots. The second bonus episode is a one-shot of Band of Blades, the latest Forged in the Dark game published by Evil Hat. It's a dark military fantasy, and it was GM'd by one of the game's authors. We had a ton of fun playing this game and exploring a very different world from Blades. Next, Josie is going to tell us about this month's featured charity. On August 31st, many peaceful counter-protesters standing against the white supremacist straight pride parade, big air quotes on that one, in Boston were assaulted by police, unprovoked, and wrongfully imprisoned. The Solidarity Against Hate Legal Defense Fund is an ongoing fundraiser to post bail for these brave individuals. Fortunately, the goal for bail was met within a few hours, but you can still help. All further proceeds will be split between donations to the Mass Bail Fund, a national organization that works to free people from incarceration and end money bail, and Boston Glass, which provides all manner of vital services to queer trans people of color. Please donate to the fundraiser and or directly to those groups. Thank you. There are a terrible number of crises happening in the world right now. The fires in the Amazon, continued gun violence, the concentration camps at our borders, attacks on civil liberties, devastation from hurricanes, and so much more. It can absolutely feel overwhelming. But there are always ways you can help. When you hear about a crisis, look for things you can do. Organizations that are collecting donations or directing actions. And when you find something, do what you can and share it with others. The constant litany of tragedy and horror can feel like standing in front of a fire hose. And it can be easy to despair when you feel helpless. But finding ways to help and contribute, even if they're small, can push back against those feelings. And we need to keep pushing back. Now then, let's get started, shall we? Hi, everybody, and welcome to our season two uh, wrap-up Q&A episode. I'm Ree, as you probably know by this point, and we have uh, a whole bunch of questions from our listeners that we are going to go through and uh, talk about. Um, but to, to start off, I'm going to ask everybody to, to introduce themselves and share one of their favorite moments from this season. Hi, I'm Kim. I play Blair Colhane on the show. And one of my favorite moments from this season that was definitely memorable in my mind was when Blair was testifying in the... <laughs> Being up on that podium and giving my yes. Blair's slash the ghost testimony was just super, super fun. I, I really loved doing that. So good. Yeah, that was really, really good. It, the way it came out, I thought it would be a stammering mess, but I think it came across as pretty hilarious, so I'm proud of it that. It was, yeah. Uh, hi, I'm Josie. I play Minx. Um, I think, man, there was a lot of like really good character moments I loved this season, but I think my one of my favorites is from the finale where Minx and Blair were waiting under the grate while Myra and Salia had that whole big conversation that dumped all of Myra's, like, secrets and trauma 
out because it was just like, oh no. But it's also like, finally. Yeah. Mm. I'm Minna. I play Myra. I'm going to have to go for... Okay, first, just to let you know, out of character, for weeks and weeks and weeks, I feel like we had just, like, this somber menace of, like, something bad is coming, but we're not... Like, Re would, like, roll something and, like, mysteriously not tell us. <laughs> anyway, the payoff, the night that it was revealed that Rigney had been, like, selling us out to Salia yes. was, like... Mm -hmm. The most amazing payoff because we had no idea what the fuck was we going on. We had no idea. It was like completely blindsided and heartbroken. <laughs> Our reactions were real time in that moment. <laughs> like literally, it was like, "Wait, is this why you've been doing those roles mysteriously?" Yeah, <laughs> that you want to tell us about. I I felt very powerful in that moment. Not gonna lie, <laughs> it was very good. It was some brilliant GMing. Thank you. I'm I'm glad I it's always a little bit of a gamble as a GM to keep a plot like that secret. I, I figured I, I knew all of you well enough to know how it would be received and how it would play out, but uh that that was very very satisfying to finally get to that reveal. Um yeah. that's definitely one of my favorite moments from this season. Gosh, I think to to pick an original favorite moment that's not just copying Minna for myself. <laughs> I think honestly the there there were a few times during kind of our downtime vignettes where uh it was just all three of you talking or just two of you talking. The season finale is one example. I think the end of that episode with the Rigney reveal where Blair and Myra were talking where I'm basically just sitting back and listening to the three of you just go hard into really, really good emotional character stuff. Aww. I love that. That's great. Even though I started crying out of character and you had to cut that. Oh, <laughs> But yeah, like those, those moments where it's just really, really good, deep character stuff where mm. I can just sit back and listen to all of you go are, are great. Yeah, I feel like that's really been earned because at this point we've all, as a group, built a camaraderie to allow us to play off each other like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the emotional moments, you know, the longer that we do this, are just going to become all the more satisfying. Yeah. Um, all right. So now we're going to dive into questions from uh, our, our listeners. Some of these are from folks on Patreon. Uh, some of them are from Twitter. Sub Twitter. Let's get started. Uh, so our first question... Uh, comes from Alice Tobin, who is a Patreon backer. Uh, and the question is, now that you're all gaining trauma, how do you feel it's changed the way you play your characters? And I guess we could probably run through who has trauma and what traumas you have chosen. Myra has so far managed to avoid it. We've tried our best. Despite my best efforts. I even tried. <laughs> Minx, as of the finale, has two traumas, which are reckless and unstable. And Blair semi-recently acquired the trauma paranoid, is what I selected for her. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I know that uh, we've definitely seen how reckless has, has shown <laughs> yeah. up for Minx. Well, the funny thing about that is, like, <sighs> Minx is in some ways a very Josie character. And in some ways not. <laughs> and gaining reckless kind of let me 
take the restraints off a little bit, drop <laughs> my weighted training clothing, and <laughs> and just go whole hog Josie character, <laughs> I think. Yeah, well, and I think, uh, Josie, I think you, you had made the comment um, that there are some trauma options that uh, make it more likely that you're going to gain additional trauma. Yeah. Um, like <laughs> Reckless, you are probably going to be charging into situations where you're going to keep taking stress, um, which is exactly what happened in the season finale. I feel like Reckless and Obsessed mm-hmm. and Unstable are probably yeah. the ones most likely to accrue stress. And then Unstable, like, we saw a little bit of it in the finale, but like what that actually entails will be for next season. So it'll it'll be very apparent, but <laughs> as it played out yet. Yeah, and then for um Blair. Yeah. Yeah, so I I feel as though I'm still trying to figure out how to incorporate Blair's trauma mechanically, but since, you know, the way that I myself uh, interact with systems as a player and the way that Blair interacts in the story, she is definitely more improv and character and story driven than she is mechanically driven. So that's going to be a challenge for me to have her trauma pop up, you know, in mechanics as far as the game rules and whatnot. Um, I am trying to play up her trait of paranoid now character wise. And I feel as though I've started peppering that in towards the later end of the season but so far it hasn't affected her mechanically yet. Um, I think mostly you've had it pop up a few times where she has been very anxious about, again, this whole concept of like the crew splitting up, of needing to know where people are, yes. how are we going to find you if something happens. Um, and again, I think the season finale is just going to kind of fuel that fire. Yeah, because um, that ended up being a good thing knowing where Myra was because that's how you found her. See, the tough thing I feel is though, when it comes to paranoid and playing Blair is that Blair intrinsically is a very trusting character. She's very, um, wants to see the good in others, even if they're demonstrably evil or even ghosts or demons. So it's a very fine line that I have to walk when I think that I'm going to incorporate her trauma into a scene because I have to be careful for myself to believe that, okay, is what I'm playing in the scene make sense for her? And does this make sense for her? And does this conflict with the character that I've already established? Yeah. And uh, the the rules specifically say that, you know, you are free to play up or not uh, your, your character's traumas uh, as, you know, much or as little as you want. Right. And I really do appreciate that. But for me, I, I still have to figure out a way to make it work mechanically is the big thing with Blair. Makes sense. So before we get into the, the, the next question, um, Chris and Phoenix, uh, was one of a couple people who asked, uh, if we would be willing to share the character and crew sheets. Um, and so this will be in like the episode description and on Twitter and other such places. But, um, I have posted uh, screenshots of, like, the end of season two uh, character sheets. Um, They are, it's on Patreon, but it's a publicly available post, so anybody can go see them. So if you are curious about how those all look, uh, you can just head over there and and see them. They should be up at the time this episode goes live. 
Uh, so the uh, question from Chris and Phoenix that we're actually going to discuss uh, is, I'm going to steal this from Fate and the Fable Maidens. Shout out to a fellow AP podcast. Who of the party would you take with you to an amusement park, a cruise ship, or a haunted house? You can only choose one person for each one, and if you take Blair to the haunted house, it has to be something that would actually unnerve her. (laughs) (laughs) Here's the thing. Mm -hmm. I really want to take Blair to an amusement park now. That was going to be my answer. I feel like Blair at an amusement park would just be the most joyous experience. It would. And it would also work well because we're both adrenaline junkies. So we would just have the time of our lives at an amusement park. Like, I probably would take Minx on a cruise ship. Yeah. But I don't want to take Myra to a haunted house because that might just be actually, like, traumatizing. Yeah. Myra would have a bad time. I feel like if it's, like... Your standard issue Halloween haunted house type mm. thing. I feel like Myra would actually handle it pretty well. Yeah, because Myra like, would be like, that's she's fake. So that's calm. fake. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I feel like she Minx, was- if you took Minx to a haunted house, she'd be the friend who's like half hiding behind you and grabbing onto yeah. your arm. <laughs> yep. <laughs> those those pictures of of the uh, of people <laughs> getting caught in jump scares. <laughs> Myra would be the one who doesn't oh. react at all. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, never yeah. mind. Minx goes to the haunted house. Myra gets to relax on a cruise. <laughs> Wait, Blair would just be. Wait, sorry. So Who's relaxing on the cruise? Smiling. Minx. Myra. Myra. Forced Myra to relax. Two K nineteen. And Minx gets dragged to the haunted house and jumps and screams at everything. <laughs> exactly. Oh man! I think you've played that like that way before, and it was very yeah. good. Yeah. Oh yeah. Whenever any. Like significant spoopy stuff happens. You you just let out the most adorable li- little yelps. <laughs> How dare you do? Ironic ship, and I'm just now picturing her like lying in a deck chair in like sunglasses and a it's really such a big weird sun hat. Fucking image, yes. Mm-hmm. Big umbrella over her, enormous book, just yes. the biggest, book. the biggest yep. book. Uh. If you like Peter Coulard. <laughs> Um, all right. So our next question from Gus G, another Patreon backer, uh, is mostly for me. I'd like to hear a little from Rhi about how you create NPCs on the fly. Uh, What do you think is most important to making an improvised NPC interesting? Do you use tables of names and traits from the Blades, GM Sheets, or elsewhere? Uh, To answer that second question, yes, the list of names in the Blades in the Dark book is probably the most useful thing that has ever been printed in any game book ever. (laughs) All game books should be required to include a list of names to help out GMs everywhere. Like an actually lengthy one? Not like in D&D where it's just like, oh, here's five tiefling yeah, names here, or whatever. Yeah, here's five names that could there's, be, yeah. There's, there's a D&D source book that has, like, an appendix that's just lists of names, and it's oh, magical. Oh, God bless. Yeah, the I, I mean, it's been in the stingers and in the episodes of my ongoing difficulties <laughs> with coming up with names for characters. So uh, having that that quick reference is really helpful for me. In terms of uh, coming up with the NPCs on the fly and how I make them interesting, I don't know. Uh, I <laughs> It's not a super conscious process, I guess. I think at this point, 
I kind of have a sense of what sort of people uh, the group likes. And so I try to put those sort of people in their path. If it's somebody that, you know, they're the everyone is supposed to get along with. I, I think I also kind of sometimes try to go for uh, defying expectations a little bit. Um, I think our, our, our crime grandma, Rose, mm-hmm. is one of those where, you know, sweet old lady knits, has a lot of cats, bakes cookies, definitely used to be like a hitter for a gang. Like she recreationally beat people up. Uh, <laughs> oh, are you thinking in, she was the cutter? Yeah, yeah. I, I've, I've given some thought to, to Rose's history, and yeah, she has some stories. <laughs> Playing with those sorts of things, um, I think also, um, oh, who was the ghost? Tira. Yep. Was another one where uh, having a ghost who's really kind of chill with being dead. And like super spacey. Yeah, yeah. Um a lot of times it's just kind of I try to latch on to either sort of an, you know, something about some quirk about their character or something about, you know, the voice or the way they're presented that that will make them a little more interesting and memorable. It's it's usually not a very conscious process in my head, though. I just sort of wing it. <laughs> I know it was early on when you made Kay, but I still don't quite believe that you didn't think some people would latch on to her, because we had played with other people who immediately latch on to K-types, so... Yeah. Yeah. Like, you you made her specifically to, like, attack me and Kim, like... (laughs) Yeah. You you can't just make a buff woman and expect us to not love her. Well, I distinctly remember with Kay, I don't remember if this made it into the episode, but I initially started describing that character um, as a man. Oh, did you? Oh. Mm-hmm. I had been like, oh, yeah, this tall, uh, buff gondolier. And then I think I said something like, I, I think I said he. And then I was like, hmm, no, this will be more interesting <laughs> if the, the tall, buff gondolier with prison tats is a woman. And then you all were like, we love her. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think Kim... Like, just let out the most adorable sound. Uh, Okay. Uh, mm. Like, revenge. Mm. Revenge, Kim. (laughs) Mm. Yeah, just tangentially onto this question. I feel as though I have a bit of insight, if you don't mind me latching on. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I feel as though all it takes to make an NPC or any character interesting is to find at least one trait, one defining characteristic, and then amplifying it, and then just playing up on it and it especially helps when you have a group of players who will also lift that trait up because then it sticks in in this case since we're a podcast it sticks in the audience's mind there is a defining trait about this character and it makes them memorable and i i would say from an improv slash acting slash artist slash writer viewpoint which is where i'm coming from with this question is that you know NPCs may appear more accomplished based on that one factor, having a trait and amplifying it, and also depending on how often that character returns and it becomes a recurring character, like in K, for example. Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, that's, that continues to happen where I'll introduce someone as a one off and everyone's like, uh, we love them and they need to come <laughs> back forever. It's like, okay. So our next question from, uh, at, J-H underscore official. I just realized I've once again damned myself to trying to pronounce people's Twitter handles. Next time, ask them to give us a thing to call them. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I never think to do that until I reach this moment of trying to pronounce 
Twitter handles. Um, so they ask, uh, what inspired y'all to start playing Blades together? And what are some of the challenges of the format you use to tell stories? As far as I know, it was all Ree's idea. Yeah, it, yes. was, less, yeah, it was less that... Yeah, th- th- this group came together for the purpose of of the podcast, and it mm-hmm. was me wanting to do a Blades AP and then recruiting I li- people. I yeah. literally filled out an application. Yeah. I had played a one-shot of Blades with Ree and fell in love with the game from that, yeah. so that helped. Like, I yeah. think all of us had like played in one-shots with each other on like the one-shot Discord. I, I think I'd definitely done that with Minna. Maybe Every us I too, four. yeah. I think pretty much everybody, and, and including Madge in this, I had I had played in games with all of you. I don't okay. think that all of you had been in games with each other. For some of you, yeah. this game was the first time that, that you'd met. Yeah. It, it was probably Masks for me and you, right? <laughs> yeah, definitely we were masks. in a Masks game. Minna and I are in a few games. Kim and I have been in a few games. Yeah. Um, Madge and I had been in some other games. But yeah, th- this... This group came together specifically for the Magpies. Yeah, and this was my first time playing Blades. I had no experience at all before the podcast. So, you know, this entire Same. show has been a learning experience for me. I'd never played a one-shot or even looked at the rules. I still kind of don't. <laughs> um. <laughs> it's a, listen, every AP needs, needs a Johnny. It's fine. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, it, my, my point being is that you know, this game was my first experience meeting Josie and Minna. I have known Ree for a number of years before the podcast, and I knew Matt from Twitter, but we'd never done a game before. So, it, yeah, this this whole experience of recording the podcast has really, I feel, almost come full circle to me because I've gotten so close to all of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, th- I think the real answer to this question is, Ree, I don't think you've ever really talked about why you started this <laughs> i think i've talked about this a little bit in a post that i did for the magpie's quill on patreon but um i literally like blades and dark was on kickstarter i saw a post either on twitter or tumblr about it i went and looked and i was like hmm this looks like a cool game i backed it i started reading over the playtest materials um and most games that I, I look at, I usually start thinking about the kind of character that I could create. Blades was the first game that I picked up, and I was like, oh, I want to GM this. Mm-hmm. And I got to run it uh, a few times. Like, I did some some one-shots. I played it a little bit in person with uh, my friend group here in Chicago. And uh, by virtue of listening to, like, one-shot and campaign, I started thinking, like, doing my own AP podcast would be kind of cool. And to the best of my knowledge, and as far as I know, this is still true, um, there, uh, you know, when we launched, there wasn't any anyone doing a, like, long-form Blades in the Dark AP. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, shows that do, um, you know, one-shots of different systems have done Blades. Um, it's pretty popular for streaming there's yeah. a lot of like streamed campaigns of blades but not any other like campaigns uh in as a podcast so part of it was i really 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 love the system and i wanted to tell the kind of stories that it sets us up to tell 
But also, I saw a niche that nobody mm-hmm. had filled, and I figured, like, if we're first into that spot, uh, I feel like it's probably easier to get listeners. Like, this is going to sound really self-serving, but it's going to be easier to get listeners as a Blades in the Dark podcast because no there's one only one it. of us right now, as opposed to starting another D&D podcast. Not to say that there's anything wrong with starting another D&D podcast. If that is what you love, go for it. But you're going to have a lot more competition, like direct competition in that space. One thing that I think must be really satisfying for you, Ree, is whenever we get iTunes reviews that mention, you know, I was trying to think of running, you know, Blades in the Dark at home and I had no idea how to run the system. But oh this, God, it's the best. But this <laughs> podcast gave me an idea of what the setting could look like. I think that must feel really good for you. Yeah, no, having people say that, like, they learned how to play the game or, like, run the game from listening to our show is is awesome. Not at all what I expected. Yeah, but it is high praise. I think that's very flattering. Yeah, yeah, it's it's great. Yeah, because I I like... I I really... I mean, I really love the system. Obviously, I've been running it for two and a half years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. More than that, we're coming up on our... our No. Yeah? When did we start? We started yeah, we're coming recording up in September we started of 2016? 2017. 17, yeah. sorry. Because we launched in February of 2018. So yeah, we're coming up on two years of doing this game. Wow. I just know we did our first recording yeah. on September 11th of that year, I think. Yeah. At least the weekend of September 11th, because that's when Irma happened. Yeah. Oh, yes, uh, that's right. Oh, right. Her hurricane, hurricane party. party. <laughs> yep. Yeah. yeah. So, that's why our first episode is unsalvageable. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I guess, okay, so the, the other half of this question, what are some of the challenges of the format you use to tell stories? Uh, I'm not sure if this means the game or podcasting. I read it as, like, podcasting. All right, yeah, let's, I mean, we, we just talked about the game but, system a whole bunch. Let's talk yeah. about podcasting. Yeah, um, like, yeah. honestly, like, the, I really like podcasting a lot but it is a hit like not having apparent body language to refer to yeah um i do like it to some degree because it encourages us to be more descriptive and spell things out more Mm -hmm. which is something i like about podcasting but like was definitely like harder to get to know the players and the characters Mm -hmm. without like that touchstone yeah I think this might be a little bit more of a game mechanics thing than a podcast thing. Um, but one thing that I, I struggle with as a GM is sort of um, the, the nature of, of Blades is that, you know, the, the, the players go out into the world and immediately start generating plot hooks and problems and things. And uh, one challenge that I have is making sure that I don't, leave important threads dangling for too long or that I find ways to weave them back in because there there's so much that's going on and sometimes it can be hard to come back to those things and uh fit them back in in a way that that makes sense and feels satisfying that like at this point uh you know I do not use the engagement role in downtime anymore. Uh, I don't need to generate more problems for this group. (laughs) 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 You, you all take care of that enough on your own. You have enough things going on that like, I just, 
I don't bother with it anymore. I skip right over that part of downtime because if I was also piling that stuff on on top of all of the other fires, yeah, there's no way that we could cover everything. The engagement rules are great for the start of a campaign when you sort of need to get the ball rolling, but Mm -hmm. before too long, uh, there's enough things on fire that (laughs) you don't have to set any yourself. One thing that I know is a chronic problem for me as a person and a player is that if you let me, I would just keep going on bit after bit after bit and meme after (laughs) meme after meme because that's just how I kind of interact in roleplay settings. When I'm not playing a super sad, dramatic character, I like to kind of be the comedy relief because I feel as though it's very easy and also very popular to play a character with a lot of trauma and a lot of backstory. And I've done that as well. And I don't, I enjoy that. (laughs) No, no, I'm not calling anybody out at all because I have this problem as well. I, you know, in a past campaign, I've played a character with a lot of issues and I enjoy the drama, but at the same time, I also find a lot of value in bringing light and levity and humor to the table. So, Mm -hmm. One problem, when I, since this is a curated show for the public, is that so much gets cut out. And I feel as though if Reed doesn't tell me to shut the fuck up, that <laughs> I will just keep I going. I do it lovingly. I know you do it lovingly, but I don't think you guys understand how much cut contact there is. The cut Jurassic Park joke still hurts me. <laughs> it's. I'm almost certain that the Jurassic Park joke is in... The oh, I'm reel. sure. It is I'm in sure. the season one blooper reel. It is just so beautiful in context, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think part of that also is a little bit of the uh, the fact that we're playing remotely. Yes. Like, mm-hmm. the fact that remote games is a thing that can happen is awesome. Like, it's the only reason that I am as active in the hobby as I am. Yeah, because my mm-hmm. in-person group in Chicago, we didn't play games for like five, six years. And we just started playing again. And we can only get together once a month. Oof. <laughs> it's It's rough. So, like, the fact that we can play uh, online is awesome. Yes. But it can also be tough... I think, like Josie said, of not having sort of the visual feedback of, you know, a lot of the, like, jokes and bits that kind of tend to come up. Yeah, there's there's some challenges, but, like, I, I really, I also like the fact that I can, you know, like, playing online, I, I don't have to put on shoes and go anywhere. I can just sit at my desk with my delicious cider and chill out. Yeah, I can, yeah. like, be in pajamas Although- and wear no bra and it's fine. <laughs> yep. Yeah, you were saying, I mean, Josie? I don't think any of us would oh. care if the others weren't wearing a bra. <laughs> no, not in this group. Fair. But still. I, I've I've recorded almost every episode of Magpies in some form of undress. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, but, just be, we just want to be comfy. Yes. Yeah. Um, um, but I just wanted to say yeah. that, Kim, we really appreciate your memes. And yes, also, I think I it's important them. that the viewers know that we have a channel in our Discord server <laughs> called Kim's Meme Emporium, yeah. where just, memes are shared. We just need so. a dedicated space to put my trash fires, because otherwise, if I put it in general chat, Re yells at me. So, that's why that exists. It's a, it's a containment unit. I mean, also, most servers I'm in have a meme channel. It's just that this one is named after you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> due to who I am as a person. Anyway. It's beautiful. And, and we love who you are as a person very yes. much. <laughs> So our next question 
from At Wild Park. How have you maintained the energy and commitment to the game over two long and very welcome seasons? Uh, many AP podcasts seem to burn out after the first flush of enthusiasm wanes. Um, For me, it only gets easier yeah. with time, really. <laughs> like, the hardest part of recording Magpies was those first few months. Yes. Like, before this show started getting released. Because, like, part of it is we weren't getting like feedback right because we were recording ahead and it wasn't going out into the world so it's like we weren't getting feedback and also we were still trying to learn each other as players and as people right like that was like i'm not gonna lie like it was really hard mm. on me starting out like part of that is just because i was in a worse place in life mm. it was a bit of an adjustment but now it's just sort of like i love you all oh. and doing this is really easy because i can just show up with people I care about and like Minx is really easy to slip into now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like really it's that first hump of starting anything creative yes. is like, there's like a cresting point where yeah. it stops being like an uphill climb and into like a habit. Basically. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. I think any game there's like a getting to know you period, both for the people well, with our group, but even like people, you know, the characters, like figuring out how they fit together and how like that, that's always the hardest part of a game for me. One thing that is really exciting for me is that over the course of this one and a half, almost two years, is that the more that I play Blair, the more that I learn about her. And that is, as a player, that's so exciting for me. And it's also rewarding because I set out Blair's story to be a coming of age story. So the fact that her character arc is paying off for me in that way is super satisfying. When I first started playing her, you know, because I'm an artist and I'm a visual thinker, I had no idea what she looked like. And that was super hard for me because whenever I start a new campaign, one thing that I like to figure out first, along with, you know, the character sheet and the name and et cetera, et cetera, is the character design because that informs the way that I play a character. Now, after the fact that we are so long into this campaign now and I know how Blair interacts with the world how she talks and behaves and thinks that is really fun for me and her character is very slowly evolving and changing into something slightly bigger than what I originally envisioned and that's just so fun for me as a player I, I am eternally grateful to have this group to allow me to explore the themes that I am and I, I am just so proud of how far Blair has already come already. Yeah. Um, an- another, this was an, something I didn't uh, touch on kind of when Josie was asking, like, why I started it. Par- another part of why I started this show is because around the time when I was s- starting it, um, I was just feeling really, like, stuck in a rut creatively um i wasn't really writing as much i didn't really have a lot going on like i was just kind of you know coming home from work and making dinner and then just zoning out like i i was uh you know not able i I couldn't tell you like what i did with my evenings for hours um and i was like i need some kind of creative project to fill my time and i had a little experience with audio editing and i knew that it will fill the time oh yeah (laughs) it fills so much time (laughs) I, I think that's part of why I have stuck with it because this is something that like is very creatively fulfilling for me, not just, you know, playing the games, but, you know, creating the episodes. And just maintaining the community and the Patreon and everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean it's 
it's a lot of work, um, and I am not perhaps as good at delegating <laughs> as I should be. Uh, but I, I mean, I do, I very much appreciate all of the help that, that I get from, from all of you, particularly with the Patreon. But yeah, like this is kind of my, my major creative endeavor right now. Um, and I think that is what's really motivating for me. So next question, another Twitter handle at Dark Guardian, uh, without an A in dark. What was the hardest moment for you all, um, out of character and in character? Uh, hard decision, heavy emotions, etc. The the lyrics reveal. Yeah. Like, is it, like, sorry, it's far and away that. Yeah, um, yeah. Because, I think I, like, yeah. it was such a long time coming because it's like a quirk of the character sheets we noticed so mm-hmm. long, like, like, very close to the beginning of the campaign. It was like episode two um, or three of yeah. the published episodes, I think. Yeah. Yeah, so, like, that was kind of known and sat on and, like, negotiated and redid a lot of planning and how to figure it out and and how to reveal it when and then like when we knew it was going to happen there was like wow there's actually like a lot of implications and emotions here that we have to like work through and negotiate and double back on yeah and that, i mean that all still has not been settled i imagine there's going to be through throughout season yeah, three well, a lot more conversations right like in in character especially hasn't been explored yet, but I do think the hardest part has passed. Yeah. On that, and then just actually role playing it was like, oh god, yeah, <laughs> this is really serious. And like we had to have some out of character discussions once it finally came up and we figured yeah. out the implications. Yeah. M- yeah. Minx well- was not made to be this serious of a character, <laughs> like in the same way that Blair has changed. Minx has kind of changed a bit too. Um, yeah. Uh, how about Blair? Well, like we're not in character right now, Kim. Yeah. Mina, no. What do you What do you all have? Blair, for- Kim, interchangeable. I don't care. Um, <laughs> y'all always joke that Blair's not a character, and I'm just leaning into it. Um, <laughs> so, one thing that definitely sticks out to me as being the hardest moment for me out of character was. I think it was the Rigney reveal episode during downtime. Um, Myra and Blair's conversation. I know I've already touched on this a little, but that was the first time during this game at the table where I cried out of character. And most of that was cut. You could hear it come through in the voice acting. But after that scene wrapped up, I did have to mute myself on Discord because I started crying out of character. And that was, I forget what, you said Mina, but it was something along the lines after I said, you know, feeling small or something like that. I think it, it was it, I'm proud of you, maybe? I don't know if it was the proud thing or something else. No, I don't think it was I'm proud of you. It was something about, like, losing people and losing friends. And Aww. that is always a subject that, you know, pulls at my heartstrings in a certain way because that's something mm-hmm. that's affected me a lot in life. So... After that scene wrapped up, I had to mute myself on Discord and just kind of, like, cover my mouth and try to get a hold of myself. And you guys, you know, all being the wonderful people that you are, you're checking in. Oh, my God, Kim, are you okay? Are you okay? And I, the other part of me was also so embarrassed because I I have such a hard time expressing emotions in front of people, even friends. So having that happen at the table was very scary for me in the moment. But the fact that everyone was 
thinking of my, you know, emotional safety afterwards and checking in with me multiple times that I was actually okay actually did make me feel better after the feeling had passed. So that was definitely the hardest thing for me out of character this season was allowing that a little bit of vulnerability, you know, happen in front of all of you. Mm-hmm. Because I, I had never experienced anything like that at the table before. Like, I've done, like, fake in-character acting and fake character crying, Like, but that was the first time when something very raw and real hit me, like, completely blindsided me, and that was a little scary for me. Oh, well, I'm I'm glad that you you felt okay with it afterwards, because, mm-hmm. yeah, that was definitely something we wanted to... I mean, we've had a few moments like that where we've had to kind of pause and be like, okay, so this thing is happening now. How are we all doing? Are we feeling okay? Yeah. How do we want to proceed with this? But that was the first time when in-character and out-of-character started mingling just a bit for me, just enough for me where checking in felt warranted. Yeah. Gotta love that bleed. Woo! <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, Mena, do you you have anything in or out of character? I'm not gonna let. I'm gonna bounce off of Kim. Kim, Aww. you said something about how you're a very private person and have trouble expressing emotions. Yeah, I am also like this. Yep. And Myra is also like this. This is one of the traits she shares with me. I don't know why, but Myra is like one of the like intentionally closest to me characters I've built. Uh, Myra's had to reveal a lot and have a lot of emotions and talk about those emotions with her friends this season. Myra and said, "Fuck." <laughs> when did Myra it was a while back that Myra said fuck yeah. but she did say two. fuck yeah. I think it was with Jaren yes yes. Um, but yeah so like that Salia episode even like the, the like scene that Kim was talking about like yeah. every time that I've had to have like a quiet like Myra deals with her emotions and talks about them with her friends. It's like, I want, I so much want to reveal things and like have her be vulnerable, but it's so tough to play her vulnerable both because I, I'm not good at being vulnerable as a person. Mm -hmm. And also Myra is not good at being vulnerable as a person. So that's been a bit of a struggle, (laughs) like to try and push, push that out. Yeah, well, that Mina and I had talked about was kind of like, okay, how are we going to reveal these big secrets that that Myra has? And it was like, she's not going to tell them. They have to be expressed in a different way. <laughs> and like, I mean, there's a part of me that's even like, like almost feels unsatisfied. Like I wasn't able to let her be as vulnerable as I wanted it to be. But also, I think it makes sense for her that she yeah. struggles with that. Yeah, I would say for me in character moments, Rigney. Uh, the conversation that he had with all of you after you uh. found out that he had, had been selling you out for half a season. You know, that was something that I had planned. I had notes for kind of some of his dialogue there. But it was still like, you know, Rigney is one of my favorite NPCs in this game. Yeah. Uh, I, I have a lot of kind of, there's there's some some deep Rigney lore living in my head. <laughs> I want it. Um. Uh-huh. And, well, you know, you, you gotta kind of patch things up with him a bit. We didn't know had a brother till then, either. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <sighs> gotta get Nevin back in the city at some point. But, yeah, so, like, just that that scene of, um, it was something that had been kind of, like, lurking, you know, as, as we mentioned earlier, that had been lurking in the background of kind of all of his interactions with the crew for such a long time. Um, and in a way, like, it was sort of a, a cathartic moment for the character to finally be able to express all of this, but also, like, having to tell people that you care about very much that you have been betraying them for the last few months uh, is not not a good time. No. So that was that was a pretty rough 
episode and and scene. Um, even as I was kind of out of character, taking some glee <laughs> at everyone's very shocked reactions. Yeah. We'll say his despair came right the fuck through. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was what I was aiming for. <laughs> Poor guy. Uh-huh. Next question uh, from at IMKJ. Uh, thank you so much for such an amazing show. Thank you for being such an amazing listener. Uh, are there any plans to add a fourth cast member? I love the team chemistry as is, uh, but it would be fascinating to see how a new teammate might integrate. Mm. Um, that was a comment. We've talked about this. Yeah. Yeah. We've talked about this a bit. As soon as we learned that Madge was walking away from the show, that was a conversation that we have that we had almost immediately was, are we going to add, you know, a fourth cast member? And we're definitely not opposed to the idea, I would say, but we're also very comfortable with the dynamic that we already have. Yeah. I, I would, I would say at this point that I am opposed, like to, at least for like the show as is. Yeah. Like, I don't think it would work to bring in someone this late. Yeah. Like if, uh, if Madge had left like a little earlier and we had decided to do it right at that time, it might have worked Maybe, out. Yeah. But I think at this point, just like what we got works. And honestly, I don't think it would be super fun for a new person coming in. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's because kind of. We'll, we have this dynamic established and it will take a good long while for them to integrate. Yeah. So like. I have to agree. We do have, we do have plans for, for, um, you know, some guest characters. We're going to bring Seeks back in season three, um, which. I'm personally very excited about yes. it because Seeks is awesome. Mm-hmm. I love Seeks. Um, Seeks is and the best. Waffles is is also one of the best. I want Kim to actually be there this time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, like, the um, bonus episode but, is good, but the crew plus yes. Seeks would be very satisfying. Yeah, but yeah, I think at this point, um, probably not, uh, is, is kind of the, the direction that we're leaning for, for bringing in a, a new cast member. But I do want to... Something I wanted to do in season two that didn't really happen was bring in more guest players. Um, I'm hoping there'll be opportunities to do that in season three. Scheduling can be tough for that sort of thing. Finding people to to bring in can be tough. But um, I I think that having, you know, uh, an additional person in the mix for a, a single score is fun. Yeah. Um, but I think Josie is right that at this point, um, both in and out of character, um, we've just kind of got uh, a pretty solid group dynamic. And I feel like it might be tough to bring another person into that in a way that doesn't end up making somebody feel awkward. Yeah. Uh, and our next question uh, from Thomas Seymour Turner, another Patreon backer. So you've had a session with a festival, but is there any one event that all of the magpies would want to do together during their downtime or any other festival they might be interested in celebrating? Hurriedly Google's other festivals. Well, not Google's open. I know. Book. I'm looking at that too. Like, I know there's some other holidays that happen. I just. I think Minx wants to drag the other two to the theater. Oh, oh my god. Oh, <laughs> the theater. That'd be so good. Oh. Perhaps an opera. Oh my god. <laughs> that oh, would be amazing. Oh, makes me love. <laughs> oh no. God, the Phantom of the Opera is an actual ghost. Um, I think we just figured out a season three episode. Oh man. All right. I'll put it on the list. 
You guys can't enable it because I am a soprano one bitch. I'm sorry, but I don't know <laughs> harmonies. I was never taught. <laughs> so other holidays include uh, Arkenvorn, which honors the spirit wardens, which Fuck I that. don't feel like this group would celebrate. Uh, no. Unison, which uh, celebrates the end of the Unity War with Scovlin. Or curses it if you don't agree with the Unity War. Yeah, that's that is kind of an element of the setting that we've not really engaged with very much. Is sort of the whole Scovlin thing. Yeah. Um, which is there's so much in this setting. Like we cannot touch on all of it. Mm-hmm. Doskvorn, we we did a whole episode on uh, gratitude, honoring the immortal emperor's ascension to the throne and salvation of the shattered isles. Nope, that's one thing Blah. we've never done though. We've never done a Thanksgiving episode. That's basically what this is. Gratitude is basically. It also says as well as celebrating thankfulness for other things in life. It is basically a Thanksgiving oh, type holiday. You know what? I could see a magpie's Thanksgiving in the nest. Yeah. <laughs> Aww. That would be cute. Oh, can you imagine like a community Thanksgiving celebration though? Like oh, set up yeah. in the hound's paw. Everyone cooks Aww. and brings like potluck mm. shit. That would be very cute. Aww. I actually like that. That would like be that. real good. Yeah. That's be a good okay. way to check in with some NBCs we hadn't seen in a while. Yes. I'm gonna hang on, I'm gonna gonna write this down. <laughs> Speaking of untouched on things in the setting, like the thing about the Hound's Paw is that it's essentially a sports bar for the nearby dog races. <laughs> we haven't like acknowledged that at all. No, we, like, we described it in the first episode of it being the cutest sports bar. Yeah. We need to go to a dog race. <laughs> yeah, for real. Oh, no. Do people wear fancy hats at the dog races? Of course. Is yes, it like they horse do. races yeah. in our world? I'm going to say yes. I'm literally writing these things down, by the way. No, go on. <laughs> because I, these are very good ideas. Um, yeah, yeah, we, yeah, we have not made reference to the fact that Rigney runs a sports bar ever since episode one. Yeah, no, it hasn't <laughs> yeah, episode come up. one we we described it and then we never talked about it again. Yeah, well, there, now now we have some ideas for stuff to do next season. the 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 Thanksgiving one would be really cute. It would. It would be very mm-hmm. fun. I don't know what, but ju- yeah, just a, a big pile of food episode and is dogs. always good because I love describing food in this setting. Mm-hmm. It's a challenge, it's very but it's good. good. Yeah. Um, all right. So uh, the the next question that we're gonna do is from at Snarcophagus. Great name, by the way. Yes. Uh, how long would the Leverage Crew survive in your dusk wall? Uh, I would like to to share, in the interest of full, full disclosure, that I uh, started like hyperventilating with excitement uh, upon being asked this question. Uh, <laughs> so, first, if if we are assuming that this is basically a Blades in the Dark AU of leverage, the the characters would be uh, Nate is obviously uh, the spider, uh, Sophie is a slide. Parker is a lurk. Elliot is a cutter. Uh, Hardison is a little tougher, but I, I feel like Leech is the best fit for him as a hacker. I feel like the the Leech being sort of the tinkerer and saboteur, that's the closest analog. I, they, they would obviously be a team of vigilantes. I feel like they would do pretty well. Uh, if we are assuming kind of a, a direct mapping of the story into Duskwall, it, the the reason that the leverage crew is as successful as they are in the show 
uh, is because in episode one, they become just disgustingly wealthy. They pull off a really, really good score and become very rich. So they then have a ton of resources to do all of their vigilante vengeance for for the common people. So I feel like in terms of doing what they do, they they would do pretty well. Um, In terms of like personal growth, it might be a little harder because like this is a a somewhat bleaker setting than the real world Mm. or the version of the real world that they inhabit in Leverage. The existence of ghosts would probably be very uh, difficult for some characters to deal with. Uh, oh, God, Elliot having to deal with ghosts. Yeah, that would be a real problem for him. Does Elliot um, kill people? Is that why? Uh, El- Elliot, um, so <laughs> I'll also mention, in the interest of full disclosure, I'm the only person on the cast who has seen Leverage. <laughs> I, I made Aside all of them, from one episode. watch one episode. I've still never seen it. Yeah, yeah, that's right, because Kim wasn't there. Um, well, I'll, I'll have to we'll watch that at some point. Maybe when I'm in Boston. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, so, so Elliot, um, they don't really get into specifics of what his background is, but prior to uh, kind of getting into his... Uh, he, he's described as a retrieval specialist, which is he is sent into dangerous situations to acquire a thing or a person. But prior to that, he was in the military in some black ops type situation. And honey, like the the there's a lot of implications that he did some very, very. And then after he got out of the military, working for some different criminals that he has done some extremely bad shit. He totally was in like the unity war. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I think he would have a lot of... He'd have a lot of issues with ghosts. Nate would have issues with one particular ghost. Um, Nate's kind of driving motivation in the show, at least to start off, is that um, his son... I, I don't remember if it was cancer or if it was just some kind of rare disease, but his son got very sick, and the insurance company that he worked for refused to cover procedures that could have saved him so he died so he would have one particular ghost haunting him literally or metaphorically uh yeah um sophie would do amazing sophie's just amazing parker would also i think do pretty good but yeah so in short i think that they would do pretty well i think they would continue to to be able to you know, enact vigilante justice on Duskwall. Uh, but I think that on a personal level, they would have a lot more problems than they do in the actual show, uh, which is saying something because they have a lot of problems in the actual show. <laughs> but the, the beauty of watching it over those five seasons is how they, they come together as a beautiful found family and they help each other grow and become better people and everyone should watch leverage it is one of the best shows ever <laughs> i love it so much wow you really rattled that off huh? listen i i saw that <laughs> no, question okay. a few days ago and i have been thinking about it ever since <laughs> yeah no that wasn't uh, that wasn't a bad thing i was saying that was impressive <laughs> yeah all right so i think for for our final question here this is sort of an unapologetic 
ego stroking for us. Uh, we're going to go back to uh, Alice Tobin, one of our Patreon backers, um, who asks, are you aware of how wonderful and important your show is? And uh. are the magpies aware of how wonderful and important they are in Duskwall? Uh, well, uh, obviously let's talk Minx, about that second one. Obviously, <laughs> yeah, Minx is one. very aware of how wonderful <laughs> and important she is, but... <laughs> I think Blair's oblivious. I don't think she knows how wonderful she is to the group or to Duskfall as a whole. Uh, I think she has told no you. I told <laughs> you directly. I know this, but Blair also, has also I told you directly, so I guess that makes sense. Yes, but also I'm pretty sure Blair has forgotten. Like almost immediately. <laughs> well, oh. it's that thing where compliments just don't yeah. sink in. Yes, and this is another example of how Blair is like me, where Blair has very little problems, or I should say she has less problems with receiving compliments than Kim does. Um, I have such a hard time with compliments. So the way I that mean, I, I think we all do. Yes. Did you hear the noises we all made at yeah. the first half of that question? Yeah, I know. But <laughs> I, the way in which I cope with how the show has been received is that, and this is going to sound awful, but I don't think about it. I, I've, it's much easier for me to deal with us doing this when it's compartmentalized and it's only a thing that we do every other Saturday and it's recorded and then I try not to think about it throughout the rest of the week because when I see like the Twitter interactions and the fact that even people throw money at us every month like that, that's wild yeah I that's mind-boggling yeah I I do my best not to think about it because if I do then I won't know what to do with myself <laughs> honestly answering the question of am i aware honestly no simply mm -hmm. because i have no idea how to interface with like the fan base at all <laughs> like so far like very few people in my friend circles listen and i get added sometimes on twitter and that makes me very very happy but otherwise I don't know how to be in contact with the fans at all. Uh, so Reed just kind of updates, and I'm like, wow, that many people are listening. Jeez. Yeah, whenever, you know, Reed sends us listener diagnostics and tells us about new reviews and whatnot, I look at it for, like, maybe once, and I'm like, cool! And then I completely forget about it. <laughs> because if I think about it for too long, it really does fuck up. It really does fuck with my head. I'm not gonna lie, I'm different on both counts of, like, not really paying attention to it and, like, not knowing people who are into it, because, uh, my, my dumb thing that I do is I occasionally check that tag, and when I say occasionally, I mean it's one of my habitual fidgets on Twitter, is I occasionally <laughs> check, like, the at mention of magpies. Yeah, Min, Min is better about that than I am. <laughs> Especially since Twitter changes interface, I noticed you've had a yeah. lot more trouble with it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, um, I, I kind of keep track of that, because that's fun. Sometimes people say fun things. Also, I've had a number of friends who've listened to at least some of it, and like, dragged me over some aspects of it. Like, I think... <laughs> it was Amaraz who was like, what? No, what? You being really into Fallon families? What? Or something like that related to that. <laughs> it's not necessarily like... I don't know if they're fans or if they're just listening to it, but I, I know... A de I've talked to a decent amount of people who have heard at least some of the show. 
Yeah. So as the person who kind of runs the social media and is sort of the, the face of the show, uh, I, I have to interact with it. And I'm not saying that is like, it's a bad thing or it's a chore. Um, it's honestly, it, it is, uh, bewildering, uh, in some ways. Um, and, and just really, really touching. Um, mm-hmm. like, from from things of just like the you know the the tweets of people being like oh you should listen to the magpies um god somebody like compared us to the watch in discworld recently like what <laughs> in the midst of me having a discworld meltdown by the way yeah. i just want to point that out which is the only reason i tweeted about it <laughs> yeah um and like we we've gotten um you know people have left us these incredibly kind yeah. and and beautiful reviews and some emails that we've gotten somebody wrote a song yeah. for us like an instrumental piece yeah and they they had asked that it not be shared so i am respecting that i'm not sharing it but like someone was like i i have been writing fanfic since I was like 11 or 12. So I I have an understanding of like the the amount of love that you need to have for uh, a series or or uh, you know for some some kind of media property, some kind of creation to to make something like that. Yeah. You know. And so the fact that people have done that stuff like we've got we've had fan art, we've had somebody make music, like that is I, I, it is one of the most flattering and meaningful things, um, for yeah. people to, to be saying that. And then I will also say, like, much as I love the reviews talking about, like, how, how they, people have learned how to play Blades in the Dark or reviews saying that, like, we're all awesome as players and GM, like, I will admit, I like hearing that. That makes me feel good. Me too. <laughs> I I think the the comments that I like the best are the ones that specifically kind of call out our social justice bent mm-hmm. and approach to both story and kind of, you know, our our sort of mission as a podcast. Yeah. Um cuz that was admittedly something I was a little nervous about, uh particularly because it kind can of like be the feature- polarizing in this day and age. Yeah, well well, and I mean, just like the the RPG community is not always the friendliest to that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and so, like, I was a little worried about how that was going to be received. And it has been overwhelmingly positive of people specifically mentioning that as something that they like about the show has felt really, really good. And it, it, you know, like, even if people were pissed about it, I would keep doing it. Oh, yeah. But it, it makes, it's really, really nice to know that we've got this audience that is so supportive of not just, you know, the story that we're telling, but of what we are trying to do, you know, in, in, in a world. small way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that's, that's really, really gratifying. So, yeah, uh, I, yeah, uh, compliments are hard, but they're very much appreciated. And we yeah, really, we may it, have it a really hard time the, expressing it yeah. in words because we're all disasters in our own ways. But <laughs> the fact that more than 10 people listen to this at all is, I think, fair to say, mind boggling to all of us. And we thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's, uh, all of the support that, that we get, uh, you know, people tweeting at us, leaving reviews, the people who donate, you know, who, who 
back us on Patreon. Like, all of it is fantastic and we love it and whenever something new comes up and i share it in the discord there's just a lot of screaming and flailing about like oh my god i can't believe that person said that that's so nice we love them <laughs> yeah we love you yeah uh, yeah i was gonna say that's pretty much the note we're gonna end this on that that's the all the questions that that we have to to cover um i know that there were some other questions that got submitted uh that we didn't get to answer but we want to you know keep this from being like a, a three-hour uh, ramble session yeah mm-hmm. keeping it short and sweet tonight yes so uh as always as we said thank you all so much for listening uh Mwah. for all of your support um and we uh are looking forward to starting season three with all of you mm-hmm. yeah 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 all right bye bye, bye. <laughs> there's one of those Cats screaming at me. (laughs) (laughs) Harley, why are you yelling? She do scream. Please, please stop yelling while I am setting the scene. Thank you. So we're obviously going to roll up to their shop and talk to them. No, that's not what she would say. Roll up is not a good (laughs) phrase. Roll up. Should I toss a magpie pin in? I mean, I think you should. Well, you're the GM. I'm asking my fellow magpies. <laughs> Is this too messy to be worth attaching our name it, to? It's very messy. Do it. Yeah, let's not. Do it. Yeah, and we don't want I'm people to know that we. The DM. Do it. Yeah, I think we, we don't know, want people to know that we have access to these locks, given that we don't want to spoil our plans. That's mm-hmm. fair. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. I think we want to drop the pin for the iron hook thing, because then it's like, oh, we're yeah. badass. We got in and out, but not, right. not for this. <laughs> yeah, not for this. Okay. If that... it had been a really smooth operation, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but it it was the this opposite was not of that. that. <laughs> I like the plan I had was like trying to get him to go in on something, like, financially, and then ruin it. Oh, I was thinking, oh, like, going after the his leverage family. leverage con. <laughs> <laughs> also- that is literally the plot line of every episode of Leverage. Nice. <laughs> Find Rich Mark, convince them to put all of their money into a con, steal all of their money, ruin their life in the process, stand there looking cool like badasses at the end of the episode while the perp gets <laughs> taken away. Excellent. Leverage is so good, you guys. 